pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great, too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Seven six five four three two one. Hey guys, this is Liz Cambay. This is Nikki Collin. What up guys, this is Sarkis. Hey, this is Imani Media Stafford. Hey, this is Jordan Canada. This is Asia Wilson. Welcome to the WNBA Nation. WNBA Nation, a happy August to you. Was there a July? I don't remember. Anyway, uh, welcome to another episode of the program. Yes, it has been a minute. No, there's not like a, a strong explanation. Just a lot of things happened to hosts in July, but we're back. We're running. We're feeling good. And we've got a lot of basketball to talk about. I'm Steve Schwartzman. I'm here with Logan Jones. Logan, welcome back to the program. Oh, it's uh, I I I was out for a month having put myself in the penalty box for giving bad fever takes. I think the Indiana Fever are going to make the playoffs. But now that it's August, I have I've have returned from said penalty box and feel comfortable being in front of a microphone again. It's, so it, maybe it'll go better this time. It almost feels like it's hitting SI cover levels of <laughs> unfair. It feels pretty bad. I don't, and I, I don't know if it's us to blame or if it's just. Like, I probably there's nothing under the table going on. Like no, no organizations offering me money to give these takes that that bring these other organizations down into the depths of despair. They just there's something cosmically going on between me. You had me <laughs> on your side too. Like I feel like that. That's a, it. Was a tough stretch. A lot of close losses too. That's been an interesting case. Um, I, my hope there, I know we, we weren't planning on kicking things off with the fever yet again. No, I hope it's we, don't need, we don't need to talk about it at all. Some fortunes change. Cause there's still yes. some wide openness as far as the standings go. But, uh, July has been done and dusted. We're through to all-star week, um, all-star game festivities, all of that good stuff. Sabrina Ionescu breaking the internet with all kinds of points. Uh, breaking a record in the three-point contest. Uh, good stuff. <laughs> that was so freaking cool. I know that was like weeks ago now, but that was like <laughs> that. Still I, like, every, talk about that. Like it'll be probably the last fun thing that I watched on Twitter before it went down the tubes completely. Um, and I'll always appreciate her for that. I'll say this: like if I were listing July's uh, in sports in general's like top moments for me, it's a tie between that and Katie McCabe's Olympico. From Ireland in the Women's World Cup, just the, 
that beauty corner kick that went to the goal. I still think about it, but I also still think about 37 points in one round and how insane that was. Missing two shots total and insane. Uh, I can always times. Yeah. I can always tell when something from the W has broken through like the there's there's like a weird sort of like blood brain barrier between the W circle of fandom and then just like the general entertainment sports fans. Um, and I wish it wasn't there, but there is for now. And all I mean by that is that my older brother doesn't pay a ton of attention to the W unless something like that happens. And then he sends me the highlight and he's like, did you see this? Did she yeah. miss? Have you ever seen someone hit 20 consecutive three-pointers in any competition ever? <laughs> I was like, yeah. yeah, dude, Sabrina's legit. It was crazy. She missed one right in the middle of that whole stretch. And if that one went in, the roof would have completely lost the place. I think it it's, was I think the, she missed the first one and then just a random in the middle. And yeah, that was, I think it was, I think the, it, was the, it was the last shot, like the money ball from her like second to last rack didn't drop and the crowd would have lost and then managed to reform that fever pitch. Yeah, it didn't throw her off that. at all. Yeah, it was, it was cool. Just, it was intense. So she was physically made up for that. We we're very excited. You know, so we've got. All, with the all-star game and all those festivities done and dusted, we're now into the home stretch of the season. We'll be zeroing in on potential playoff seedings, technically also the commissioner's cup and uh, some other pieces there. I know Woo! your favorite, your favorite, <laughs> you love a caramel drizzled commissioner's cup. It's your favorite dessert. Uh, biggest thing ever. You, I believe Logan, if I could be so honest, but so bold, I think you've shown more enthusiasm just now <laughs> than almost anyone combined has for this commissioner's cup. This is, In, I was going to say this for later players, in the episode. We're going to kick staff, things off here. Media. <laughs> this might sound hypercritical, but I want to talk about the general frustration or I don't even know, just, just lack of emotional energy that seems to be going into the commissioner's cup. But the reason this kicks off was as we record this today, we're technically in the last day of July as we record this, as we record this, the WNBA has just now officially announced um, the stamp for the commissioner's cup. Not of, so we're looking at August 15th. 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern at the Michelob Ultra Arena in Las Vegas. Of course, the Ace is hosting the New York Liberty. Uh, a huge event culminating a competitive slobber knocker of games, all wielding together in this whirling dervish of a final to determine a conquering Commissioner's Cup champion. And, of course, you all can see it on Prime Video. Um Essentially, here's the situation. We've now given fans, any fans who have budding interest in this, two weeks to potentially put together some way to make it live to this event if it's something that's of interest to them. Um, it's apparently no longer in a neutral site unless Vegas was already predetermined as a neutral site and it just so happened that the Aces were also going to play well, which could have been predicted. Um it's on a fringe streaming setup, which is fine. The league actually gets good numbers on Prime, but it's not being put on on uh, a strong global network, um, whether, you know, broadcast or cable, whatever you want to say. <sighs> this is going to sound so ultra negative, Logan, but I guess the only question I can drive into this is, what's the point of the cup right now? 
I so the number one team versus the number two team in the W playing each other. That's something, right? Like I'm excited mm-hmm. to watch the Liberty and Aces play. I do think to the players it matters in the sense that they want to set the tone for which team is the team to beat in the postseason because they probably know they're going to end up facing each other at this point, or at least expect to face each other at some point in the playoffs, probably the championship. So I think the matchup is exciting and matters. And when it comes down to it, we're going to watch this game and be like, yeah, it's going to be a really fun game. The problem is that none of that changes if this is just a regular season game. I don't know what the Commissioner Cup changes as a viewer other than, like, we talked about this before the show. Like, they got to do something to make this a novel experience if they want it to be something people get excited about. Because the matchup is what's selling this to me. Like, it has nothing to do with the fact that it's the Commissioner's Cup. I know the players are probably pumped because I think they get some extra money, which is great. But, like, there's no other... And I don't want them to make it gimmicky or anything, but, like, there's no other reason... I don't know. It's, you know, college football season when, like, when it's, like, you know, number one, Georgia at number four, LSU this Saturday. You're like, Oh shoot, I better be near a TV this Saturday. Like, I feel like if you ran that promo and you're like the Liberty with Bree Stewart are against, you know, they're at Vegas this weekend. You'd be like, that's pretty cool. If you were like this weekend, the commissioner cup, you'd be like, what? Okay. Like, yeah. <laughs> like that's, um, I, I don't know what that does for me. That's the interesting thing. So in, International football or American soccer, whatever you adopt in your homes as you're listening to this, the in-season competition has long been traditional. I think it's one of the few sports that's really made something of it where it sort of is – because in cricket, it's kind of all competitions are like that. There's not really a full season. There's series that you play. I don't know if rugby has that, but but at least in in soccer uh, on the international scale, there's some of those. You know, there's like the Carabao Cup, and uh, you know, within a Premier League season, like those things can exist. I don't know what it is about those directly, and I'm sure if you're very into the sport, you can speak on this. If you're listening to the show, hit us wherever you find us and let us know what you think. What it is about those that has prowess, because those do tend to seem important. Players do seem to be into it. I don't know if it's just the lifeline of the Commissioner's Cup. It's only been around for three years, and we haven't really seen it happen. There's a little bit of the same issue with the Challenge, the Challenge Cup in the NWSL, where it it had some importance in 2020 because it was the all we were going to see of the NWSL that was there to supplement the season as a whole. So we got to watch that happen, and then when it became kind of a part of the opening of the season, it was a little less intriguing. I don't necessarily know what to fix it. And you kind of hit the nail on the head with the word is, is you run the risk of getting really gimmicky or campy with ways you can add appeal to this, where it starts to feel like a circus act or a pro wrestling performance. If you do too much to mess with it, but there's gotta be some element to this where it makes sense why this would happen. Other than just we want to do it, and that's kind of what it feels like. It's the name yeah. almost speaks to itself. It feels like it's it's an idea that Kathy Engelbert has, so we're going to do this and we're going to see if it works. But there's got to be some other reason that tells me why are we even doing it? What what's the line? And if it is to award players more money for achievement, I understand that to a point. But in terms of fan appeal, in terms of its general view, people even caring about it. 
there's got to be. So you and I even joked about like change the court design for the night, like make it yeah, make it a a blackout neon Tron looking glow like in the, the commissioner's dark. Cup. I don't even know. Yeah, like it needs a different. It, it needs to be a novel entertainment experience for viewers. Otherwise, don't like. I just I want to be clear again. Like I'm psyched for the matchup. I think the game is going to be a fun game. I think that stands apart entirely from anything related to the Commissioner's Cup. So like if yeah. they want if they want me to pay attention to regular season games that are Commissioner Cup games and the Commissioner Cup final in the middle of the season, which naturally kind of suffers from a short WNBA season because you only get about twenty games before the middle of the season, um, they need to do something to differentiate it from every other game. And right now it just feels like arbitrary. Yeah, or or find a way to make it so you can play games that are separate from the regular season run as a whole so they're their own thing, whether that's make it into something you do preseason, you can do rookie showcase, 3x3, I don't know. I, there's a lot of ways to play with it. I'd be really intrigued of listener feedback, you know, what what ideas are out there to turn this into something that matters because I see the idea of having additional events as positive agents for the growth of the league, but we need to see what the outlook of that. The other thing that frustrates me about it is for all that it seems they've lacked in planning for building prowess out of it and turning it into a spectacle, they designed a kick-ass trophy. Trophy's really good. And it, like, yep. we need to find, do they need to put hands on the trophy and like find energy <laughs> from it that helps them seek the answer? I don't know. But when, you know, you build a nice little spectacle like that, you're hoping that it turns into something. So, but you hit it right on the head. Like it's going to be a great matchup. I'm interested in watching it. I'm interested to see what New York brings to the table outside of the previous matchup against the aces to turn this into a more competitive battle. Yeah. There, yeah, there I, it is for you. <laughs> I, any idea that I could, I, I know we're talking a lot about problems and not a lot of solutions here. I, any solution I have is going to come off as very gimmicky. And I don't, I don't want women's basketball to have to do that in order to get viewership and get people excited about it. But I do think the idea of novelty could go far. So whether it's playing it in a, in a special place, not the same arena that you play every all-star game in and every aces game in like play it outdoors somewhere cool or in a football stadium or just, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but make it something that the players legitimately genuinely get excited about being a part of so that there's stakes for them. And that something that is like a bucket list item for fans to be like, I hope I get to go to that game someday. Exactly. Um, Before we headed to kind of discussing teams as they are moving away from this slogan, I was curious. We are kind of bookending this episode. I, I believe this is, you know, we we went a little dark in the month of July, and we we can apologize for that, but we're backing at it. Um, what storylines, or I guess is anything from July as a whole from the league that stood out to you? You know, we can kind of use this as a look back on what tends to be a hot month in getting the league in gear to its home stretch. Anything? Stand I guess out? I'm a, I'm a big time like I try to keep tabs on like which way momentum for teams is moving throughout the season. And I think at the beginning of the year, we all tabbed the New York Liberty is like, they're that number two team. Even if they don't look like it right away, trust me, they'll be there. Well, check the standings. Here we are. You're going to be listening to this August 1st. 
they're there. I mean, the, the, the aces being 23 and two are probably the biggest story, but everybody's kind of used to them being dominant by now. 23 yeah. and two is still insane and we should talk about it more. But immediately after them, like we kind of treated it as an inevitability, but it really wasn't. Like we also thought the Mystics were for sure the, you know, a top three team this year. And we thought a couple teams that are good were going to be really bad this year. And I like that the Liberty have absolutely delivered on this promise this off season when they put that team together of like, give us time to gel. And by the end of the year, we're going to give the aces like a team that they're going to have to compete with for the title. And I think they're really settling into that mode. Now they're second in the league right now. They are 19 and six. Um, they're winning games by a good amount. Not as many as the aces are because the aces are just killing teams, but they're eight and two over their last 10 and Bree Stewart is just like, she can go for 40 every night if she really wants to. She just doesn't. But like, she went out and had, I don't know how many in the first half. Like, I think 20, oh, 25 and nine against the Sparks, but that was her whole game. She had a game where she went out and, and had like 25 in the first half and then ended with 33. And it was like, okay, so we just know that she can basically have her way with teams until they're beaten. And then she's like, all right, my job's done for tonight. Thanks, everybody. Like, she is that good. Um, I, I think there's a lot of different names in the MVP race right now, and there's probably some fatigue around a couple of those names. But the truth is, like, she joined that Liberty team, and it was already a team of really good players. And I think they have a shot at taking the Aces to a long series. Yeah, I, I think a couple key pieces have shown what the Liberty... Are, they're starting to really find an identity and what that's turning into. Um. For one, they're starting to get to a point where I think they're understanding what their offensive flow is going to be, and with that, they're scoring very comfortably, um, th- which is why they broke the the doors down the other day with a 44-point first quarter, which is a WNBA record, um, and which is over the fever, unfortunately, but we don't have to dive too much into that. Um, but 44 points in one quarter... Uh, you have, I, I think the impact that Stewie and Junkwell and Vandersloot have kind of had, I think that the whole reformation of this new look New York team, um, Sabrina Inescu is playing at a most UNESCO level she has in a long time. Like, I think she's playing the closest to the type of game we saw her play in Oregon as we've ever seen before. And not necessarily in terms of like, I it's not that I'd put her in some sort of MVP discussion, but she's hitting triple double range. She's had many big showcase games. She's been effective in pivotal moments in games. She seems to be someone who can help turn the dial for that roster. I think there's an argument to be made that she might be the, you know, you have Asia Wilson with the aces. If there's a Chelsea gray over, you know, uh, in New York, if, if Asia Wilson and Bree Stewart are at the same level, Sabrina might be their Chelsea Gray type of player, or maybe their Kelsey Plum. It's hard to tell. It's hard to make those linear comparisons, but she's really shown what her role in effectiveness can look like. Um, and a lot of that is what this squad creates space for. So there's a lot of great impacts. It's it's fun to watch John Quell finally start to find an offensive rhythm. Yeah, figure out what she's there to do. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, we'll talk a little bit more about New York and and their build up. 
I already called out one other thing I wanted to talk about, which is kind of a theme of July. Do you want to talk about triple doubles for a minute? Because I think players have really wanted to talk about it and perform them. You've got Alyssa Thomas, who seems to nearly have one for just checking in on the court at the beginning of a game. Uh, She has four on the season. Um, You have, I know uh, Sabrina's clocked at least one. Satu Sabali drops a triple double just the other That's day. That's the one I want to talk about because they uh, killed Washington. Um, yes. she, yeah, she, she got her first triple double in a 90 to 62 win and it really solidified her. I believe as I don't know if the team sees it this way, but like they have a big three, their coach believes they have a big three in her and Enrique and Natasha Howard. I think she's the one, like not yeah. that you have to have the same one, be the one every night. But I think she's the one of Dallas's big three, and that's why they're having such a good year because they're leaning more and more into it. And they, yeah, they rolled Washington. It was ugly, and Dallas now three games above five hundred looks like like a easily like a a comfortable, tough playoff out for somebody because they when those three are playing well, it can be any of them. And in years past, the problem with this Dallas team is it's like, well, if it was a bad Arike night, you can pretty much guess how it went. Like <laughs> that's pretty much how the team's going to go. And now they have a lot more flexibility around that. And yeah, again, the, the triple double the watch, I thought that one was the most impressive. Yeah. In the last couple of years alone, um, I believe up to a certain point, it was it last season. I could be wrong in the stats. Someone can correct me. I think there were as many as nine triple doubles in league history. And there have been, I want to say 14 in the last two seasons alone. It's interesting to see uh, that level, that couple level piece come together and where I think it pairs differently from, for instance, the MNBA's spectrum on triple doubles is I've been watching these triple double performances translate into wins. They very much are key points to teams winning basketball games. They seem highly pivotal. There's not much of a Russell Westbrooky get yours and maybe we'll be in the wind column. We don't know. Um, but that's, what's been interesting is that, like, you know, the rise of, of watching what Alyssa Thomas has done has paired directly with, with these runs that the Connecticut sun have been making. Um, Satu Sabli, I think is more and more readily trying to scream at people that she should be in the MVP discussion. And that performance alone speaks truth to that. If you're not going to call Satu your MVP, that's one thing. But she deserves a spot at the table, I think. And and that's what's been sort of revealed to me when you're just watching what Dallas has been able to put together. Um, so that's been one of my favorite highlights of July. I think we've had a lot of key lowlights in July, to be completely honest. Uh, you've got the Candace Parker injury situation. We're not sure uh, what that's going to pair itself to. Uh, Nafisa Collier um, is out at least a week or so, and we'll see. Uh, at least at one point, we'll see where that plays itself to um, the Raquana Williams situation facing as many as nine uh, for domestic battery charges. And, and uh, I was going to say for being 20, what did I say? 23 and two, the aces mm-hmm. are actually facing like mounting off court stuff. I, I guess injuries is on court stuff, but like there's some distractions in Vegas and they're still pretty dominant right now, but we'll see how they do. Like Raquana Williams stuff may not be resolved quickly, and Candace Parker seems week to week. So yeah. I'm I I'm not skeptical that they're a great team still, but I just it's not smooth sailing 
like you would assume if you just looked at the standings. Exactly. And then as far as we know, uh, Raquan Williams is completely separated from all team activities until further notice. And I think that's, I mean, I don't even want to call it a wise move because that sounds really, uh, that sounds really shrewd, but like, I, I think that was the right that move. Yeah. And, yeah. and if it takes not having her on the court the rest of the season while that happens, I, I think so be it. You can only hope that that plays out uh, in its own way. We're not going to sit here and speculate on that situation as a whole, because I think there's just a lot more that's going to come out and come to light as to what that situation looks like. I think it's just unfortunate by every angle you look at because it's a terrible thing. And that happens. So there's been a lot happening in July, but what I want to do, I think with the rest of our time, while we have a chance to dive into this is talk a little bit about the spectrum of the league. I found this interesting. I, not that you can do this cleanly Logan, but as I was looking down the standings, Coming into this episode, I feel like there's a lot of pairings within the standings that give me this idea of uh, there's a lot of teams facing certain patterns that I found interesting. And I want to play a little, you can call it this or that, you can call it buy or sell, uh, whatever you want to call it. But I'm going to give you some scenarios of of here's two teams in in a situation. Sure. And you got to take one. So what are you taking with this? And I'm going to start. And top the standings and move my way down. I think I've got four of these, and we'll see where that plays with us. And then if anything comes to mind with you, whether it's a team, whether it's a player, whether it's concessions, I don't know what it's going to be. Um, I'm happy to talk concessions. If you want me to uh, compare World Cup jerseys, Nigeria wins. But like, <laughs> you know, um, I do want to do that. Yeah, probably not. Not on today's episode, but we That's are a special up coming up. Yeah, gosh, I'm about to have a very late night with USA Portugal, but. <laughs> Um, I'm going to start near the top. You just had a chance to talk a lot about the Liberty. So th- this may be a one-sided deal. Now, um, the Liberty really came into this season as a consensus two spot team with the potential of sneaking as a one spot team. If they played well enough, I don't think a lot of people expected Connecticut to be as solid as they are. That said, there's one game separating the two. Um, Connecticut has shown to be extremely proficient while losing some key players, not only in the off season, but also in during this season in general, but very much look like, you know, like a prominent team that can make whatever noise they want to make come playoff time. That said, um, when it comes to who you would consider the, who is that, next team in line. If the aces are at the top of the mountain as very much they are in record and in general energy. Um, I feel like I know your answer, but I think there's a way to make the conversation discussing the interesting discussion. Interesting. You've got Liberty. You've got the sun. Who are you taking? I'm going to take the Liberty, which you probably expected. Um, yeah. A, because I don't want to bet against Bree Stewart ever. B, because I do think that they're the more complete team and playing better basketball right now. Connecticut's like six and four over the last 10 or something like that. Yeah. But most of all, because I know Connecticut fans are just so tired of me disrespecting them into success. Um, but they're having success. So why change the formula? Um, yeah. no, in all, in all reality, I, I would take the liberty over Connecticut. And for, for those reasons I mentioned, I don't mean any disrespect to, to Thomas and Bonner and company. Um, but they have two losses on their schedule this year to New York. Um, they play them again, September 1st 
in a month. We'll see how that goes. But I just think head to head, Liberty have proven that they're the better team. Uh, I know record wise, it's almost dead even. It's like what, like a half game separates them. But or I guess it's a full game at this point. Nineteen and six, and eighteen and seven. But I, I would feel more comfortable if I had to just. If you were like, you have to bet your life savings on one of these teams to to win in a playoff series. Like, I'm going to take the Liberty ten times out of ten. I just like I like the Connecticut Sun a lot, but I think the Liberty from the get go have been the the second best team in the league the whole year. Yeah, uh, maybe two weeks ago this was a more interesting discussion. I, I think uh, there was a point where it seemed like the Liberty obviously had been looking good all season. They only have six losses, but on the verge of of some frustration or just, you know, things not looking quite as smooth as maybe some might have expected while Connecticut was looking red hot. And that might have been a different phase since the all-star game has been done and dusted. I think things have evened out a little bit more of that said, you know, if we're going to make this a comparison of putting these two teams against each other or just in, you know, in their general success, one thing that I think helps if you were to have this, like if, if, if the aces stood atop in tier S and the Liberty in Connecticut, you would say we're in tier A. If you're tiering these, that is. I don't know if that's still a trend. It was back in the day. I'm too old. I like um, tiers. I like yeah. tier this. But if you if you had it kind of set up that way, what to me helps Connecticut be in, in that spot, in that tier with the Liberty, and still be even worth discussing in this motive, is they have takeoverable players uh at an extremely strong level against any team you take. There's the possibility of a Dewana Bonner to take over a game, of Alyssa Absolutely. Thomas to yep. take over a game, and in a consistent way and on all ends of the court, um has really shown their ability to show success on the court. They're they're not an easy L. They're against yes. New York, against Vegas, um they're they absolutely stand that test. Um, but I thought that'd be an interesting way to start this off. I, I felt I knew you were going to lean New York well, side because it I makes like sense. the idea of having to pick one or the other. Because as you mentioned, like in a tier list, I think most people probably put the Aces on their own level, and then most people would probably put Liberty Connecticut next. Because if you look down the standings, that's no. kind of the that's what the numbers say. But even on this, the court, when you watch yeah. the teams on the court, you're like those two teams have something about them that is intimidating. Maybe not on the level of the reigning champs, but still more intimidating than any other teams you play. Yeah. And like I said, like the picking one or the other is very broad. You can consider it. Oh, if they played each other, you could just consider it. We're drafting teams. Which one do you want? I don't know. This is where it gets interesting. I think this version, this next pairing might be the most interesting to me because we are officially entering the realm of where the heck did you come from? The Dallas Wings and the Atlanta Dream. Both sit at 14 and 11. They're fourth and fifth in the standings. I believe between you, me, and potentially Kyle, at least, I'll even throw Jason in there. Each of us had at least one of these teams, probably not in the playoffs, potentially, if not fledgling their way into a playoff run. Fourth and fifth of the standings, 14 and 11. They both sit seven and three in their last 10 games. In many ways, they seem to be running a very similar pattern when it comes to um their status within the league they've had a lot of extremely impressive performances um they've had some extremely good highs they've got uh you know Atlanta seems to have a player that I think is the deadlock for most improved player 
You've got Dallas with a player who I think is very much in an MVP discussion type performance. There's a lot of good happening with these two teams, and I think that they're performing well above a lot of people's expectations. That said, they're also extremely evenly paired, and that's very interesting to me. And I also like the dichotomy of four and five. We're in a world of a much simpler playoff format than we had to deal with for quite a while. Uh, but in that era of our previous playoff format, the top four was a big deal. Well, you're looking at Vegas, you're looking at the Liberty, you're looking at Connecticut. If the top four still mattered the way that it was, you have two teams with even records. In the last 10 games, they've looked very much even. They seem to be playing with a lot of energy. You've got the Dallas, you've got the Wings, you've got Ryan Howard, you've got Satu Sabli, you've got Enrique, you've got Eric McDonald, you've got all of it. Logan, who are you taking? Oof. This one is much tougher, I think, than the last one. And that's not to say that the last one also wasn't like, ah, it could go either way. But I, I do really like Ryan Howard, and I like that they're a better road team than Dallas. That said, I'm going to take the wings if, if forced to pick a team between these two, uh, both because I think they've had a, a hotter stretch. I know it was just snapped, but they like the wings winning five in a row and looking like they're taking a step forward after winning a playoff game last year um, makes me really intrigued by what they can do in the playoffs this year versus Atlanta, I think is having like they're, they're above 500. They're having an above average season. They're definitely on track with their rebuild that they initiated a season or two ago. I love what they're doing. I, to me, they look like they're a year early, which is a good thing to be. But when it comes down to the the postseason, it's going to be evident that it's like, okay, this is new to us. And I'm looking at Dallas thinking Sobley's taking a step forward. Arike can still get scorching hot more than, you know, almost any player in the league. She can do that. Howard's really fitting in there. I like Coach Trammell. This is a team that's given the Aces trouble in some games. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, if that's, if, if you go into a matchup several times during the regular season against the Aces, not intimidated and kind of ready for the smoke and you know, like, Hey, this, this is a team that, I, I think I have this right. They won a playoff game last year, but they did not, they have not finished above 500 since moving to Dallas. And I think this year marks like, no, 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 we're finishing above 500. We're a top four team. We're going to be playing at home in the playoffs and we're going to win some games. And I don't think I get that same attitude from Atlanta quite yet, but they're so evenly matched in the standings. Who's to say they can't make that leap? No, absolutely. Um, I, both of these teams surprised me in different ways. Now, I had the wings at the four spot when we had our preseason predictions, uh, which should make me feel good. But I, dude, I had the Aces 11th. I have no idea just where things didn't. I said Aces. I did not have the Aces at 11. Uh, yeah, I was going to correct you after a I while, but I, I was going to let people panic for a second. I saw an A on the logo <laughs> and my brain just shut right off. So the dream, I had the dream at 11, and I just don't know where things didn't click with me that I, I didn't expect these. I will say, and I'm not just doing this for pair. It's, it, I, I think the aces right now look probably more solid in general. They've won five in a row. They've, they've put a lot of good pieces together. So you said aces again. Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to take a deep breath. Jason, I, I don't want you to cut a moment of this. I want all of this. I want transparency. I want everyone to see me taking accountability and trying to improve myself. The wings, um, I just need a Coke or something. But um, like what we've seen the wings do in the last five, ten games has been really impressive. And what they've 
tried themselves to. I will say, as I watch things game to game, I'm really impressed at what I've seen, watching how the Dream have closed out difficult games. Mm-hmm. They've been able to put together some really impressive performances and get some really hard Ws um, that I've really liked. I like their dynamic. I think they're just a, little, a part of it because I, these teams are so evenly matched and I like so much about both of them. Um, I just love how fun the Dream are to watch. And one stat that they're boasting recently that I think is more interesting, that I just think is a fun barometer to add to it, according to at least the Dream, do you know that they boast the most sellouts in the league right now? I did not know that. They've sold out more games. Now, now say what you want about venue size or anything to that event, but there definitely is energy being siphoned into that community. I think in Dallas as well. Uh, but I love the just the overall uh, level of energy that the Dream have put together. I think they've nearly come out of seemingly nowhere. I don't know if a lot of people had really high marks on them, but they've been playing really well. I will say this. Maybe I would put the Dream in short term. I think they'll still be good long term. Dallas, I have huge stock in the long-term health of this team if they were to keep a lot of this squad together in the future because we haven't seen what we're going to eventually see out of Maddie Segrist, out of all queer. Diamond Shields is on the injured list. Uh, Lou Lopez Seneschal is on the injured list. Um, we've only seen so much of, of really what McCowan can do just given her being out with injury. This team's been able to pivot to a lot of good situations and be really strong. Um, and I can't talk about the dream without chatting at Danielle Robinson, top 10 assists all time. Yes. Um, maybe her best hair she's had in her career. The current color is phenomenal, but I don't know. That's a tough bracket. We'll have to do that bracket sometime. D Rob's, uh, probably our oldest friend of the show when it comes to players. And we will always shout her out wherever we can. That one's a fun discussion because those are two really good teams. I don't think you can go wrong with where you would generally side as far as that is considered. Um, Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. So you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great, too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Next on this list is really interesting because I really think it's two teams that are in very differing situations. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. One is one is overperforming expectations and one is yeah. underperforming expectations. And I feel weird about both. And I wasn't going to necessarily <laughs> pair all of these teams like 
I wasn't necessarily going to even do all 12 teams, but this one kind of naturally leads that way. Um, Washington at one point was looking to be uh, potentially a top three team. I think a lot of us had them third in our standings when we did our predictions. Now injuries have made things a little difficult for them. Minnesota, uh, all things honest, looked abysmal at the start of the season. They didn't. They lost the first six, and we were like, yeah. "Okay, well, let's put a fork in them then, because yeah. you can't." And now do all of a sudden, they sit at five hundred. They've won six of their last ten. They've won very big matchups, very exciting and interesting matchups. They've kind of been on an uptrend, while Washington's been on a downtrend. Now, this is a Washington that hasn't seen a lot of Lena Deladon in recent history, you know, in recent games, and things may change there. When all is said and done, when things come out, these are two teams that look to be playoff contingent. But if you were to choose between one of these squads, who would you take? And 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 think this is this so, end of season. It, 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 who would you take I, in terms of who you're expecting to be in the forerunning at the end of the year? I have an answer, but I'm going to need to wrap up to it for a second. Uh, I am bummed that the Washington Mystics aren't playing better basketball and sit at just 12 and 13. And I am shocked that Minnesota is 13 and 13. But the truth is, they're half game apart from each other. They score almost identical amounts on offense, but one of these teams plays defense and is basically like we'll we'll play to our competition every single night, and that's going to take us to about five hundred. And the other one has a negative point differential on par with the Indiana Fever. Um, so even though it feels like the Mystics are going the wrong direction and the Lynx are going, everything's going right for them. I would take Washington. Um, I still don't trust the Lynx, even though they've had an amazing week. I know various rankings websites this week has them power ranked up in like number two because they they beat uh, New York and Connecticut, which is impressive. I think I, I won't go make Jason dig for the clip, but somewhere at the beginning of the season, I remember talking about the Lynx being so disappointing and saying like, when you start zero and six, you basically have to go like eight and ten or, or eight and two at some point in a ten game stretch during the season just to get back to 500. Well, they went eight and 12. Um, so they, I mean, they kind of pulled off what I thought was out of the question, which is really impressive against good teams, but that doesn't make me suddenly put faith in them. I, it's nice that they're playing good ball right now. We still have two months to go before the postseason, And the, the thing I know about this Lynx team is that even though they can beat everybody on any given night, they're also so inconsistent. And defensively, sometimes they just crumble. And I don't want to put any stock in that basket. So it's not fun. But of this pairing, I would take Washington. Yeah, I agree. I I think when they're playing at the level they know they can, the Mystics are one of the more impressive teams in the league. I, I think they're a top three defensive team when they're at full strength. And... You know, I, Brittany Sykes has shown her value in an acquisition hugely that way. Um, I would hope with the with Del Don being out here and there that we would see more of Queen Egbo after her being acquired than we have. Uh, and hopefully that'll pick up. I mean, she is averaging 16 minutes. That's not bad. But I'd hope that would even increase because I'm I, I think she has a chance to play some effective pieces here. Um you know, but with Deladon hurt, Shakira Austin hurt, it's hard to say whether this team can be effective. If they can find a way to add some muscle to that by the end of the season, I would 
I would probably favor them in a three out of five series over, uh, you know, any, you know, team X, um, probably them over Minnesota at the moment. But what we're seeing out of Minnesota right now is extremely as advertised for Cheryl Reed. It's encouraging this exact storyline before. Yeah. It's encouraging that they didn't just like turn the car off and just like, well, that's it for the season. Cause that would have been a real bummer. Like we're seeing diamond Miller out there now having great games after missing some time early. And I like that. And I, I think if they would just continued their downward trajectory, we wouldn't have gotten a lot of like, (laughs) it's better for the league that, that, all the teams are playing hard and interesting basketball. <laughs> and for yeah. a while I was like, dude, Minnesota is going to be done with like Seattle in like full rebuild territory. Yes. Like this is exactly. not good. Um, exactly. And I think um, it's interesting with Minnesota They're They are coming. They're going to be finishing a second straight season where they started so poorly. They could have easily laid back for the entire year and basically created their own sweepstakes for a homecoming for page Beckers. And Cheryl Reeve just won't let it happen. Just, <laughs> she like she's a competitive coach. She's going to do what she does, and respect to that because you know while tanking makes a little bit of financial sense, I generally don't like it. Um, my next pairing is not going to be traditional. We're not just going to go straight eight and nine. What I want to do here is pick out two teams that we talked about their parallels at the start of the season, which is. They stood to lose the most when it came to rosters at the start of the year. Chicago, um, losing Courtney Vandersloot, losing Hallie Quigley, losing Candace Parker, uh, very much a new look Chicago. They sit in the eight spot at 10 and 15, um, holding on for dear life. They lost their head coach. Uh, there's a lot picking there. Seattle, mainly losing Bree Stewart, um, and Sue Bird to retirement. Uh, that very much became Jewel Lloyd's team. They sit at the very bottom at 12. So not so much who do you think is the better team as far as this goes. But when you look at the value of these franchises, when you look at, you know, you've got to pick one of these two teams who massive holes were put into these rosters because of offseason shenanigans. Um, and I'm asking you to hold on to both these rosters for three to five years even in terms of like let them rebuild and see where they go. You've got Chicago, you've got Seattle. Who do you take? That question is tough because until you said that there at the end, I was like, you know, I think of these two teams, Chicago fans are probably having a better time. Um, You know, even without James Wade, even without some of the stars they've gotten used to, they're in the playoff hunt. They might be able to sneak in. But I would would challenge that for one reason, but I'll get to it in a sec. in, In terms of like how. I feel about the immediate future. I think Seattle, you had time to ready yourselves for this, right? Like you girded yourselves up and you're like, Bree's going to probably leave and that's going to be rough. But like Jim's having a great season and then we're going to go full rebuild and we're going to get younger and we're going to have new favorite players and blah, blah, blah. And I think in Chicago, there was still, at least I has still had the hope that like, even with the exodus in talent, it was like, we still got Kalia Copper and we still got James Wade. And you know, he's talked about, the draft every year. And this is a, this is an organization you can trust to kind of reload rather than fully bottom out. And it sort of feels like they're, they're fighting against this like impossible gravity. Like they're at 10 and 15. Like they're, they're, I don't know. Like it, it just feels like they're going to be dragged into a rebuild, whether they like it or not versus Seattle kind of embracing it. Um, 
And so in that sense, I think I'd rather be Seattle three seasons from now because it feels like there's a plan in place where Chicago is going to have a lot of work to do this off season, just deciding like, what is the plan? Like, what do we want to see happen here with, you know, the players we currently have on contract? Who do we like? Who's coming up? Who can we go get in the off season? It kind of feels like they're late to the party trying to figure all that out. But that's from an outside perspective. I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily the case in Chicago. Maybe they knew, you know, they knew that they were going to be here all along. I don't know. So for, for the time being, I think I would actually rather be in Seattle's place and just know, like, after this season, Lloyd probably leaves. We wipe the slate clean. We say goodbye to all of our favorite players who've gotten us championships over the years. We say goodbye to Lloyd, who's probably going to be, you know, among the, if not the points champion, she's going to be among them this year. Great final year for her, but like fresh start. Sometimes fresh start is better than trying to linger on like, maybe we can still patch things together with copper and company. Like you just, you know, this is coming from a Portland fan who's in the midst of this Lillard mess right now. So clean breakup. You want a clean breakup, Steve. Like (laughs) you don't want a messy ongoing, like, I don't know, maybe, maybe we can save it. We can save this. This question could almost be dialed down to, are, you know, like is Chicago better off where Seattle is right now? Like, like, are, could they potentially be in a better situation to be fledgling and reuniting things? I think the other big question that caters this is, is there a like, what's the level of potential Seattle can hold on to Jewel Lloyd? Is is having this year of the Jewel Lloyd show? <laughs> As as poor as the okay. win column has been, but has is her having a taste of this is what this is you at the top of the mountain, and is the promise of building around Jewel Lloyd as the future of this franchise is that enough to give you faith in in what that future? Yeah, would that look is like? that is an excellent point that I didn't yeah. consider because in my mind, like. All last season, we were like, Stewie's gone, and almost definitely it's going to be New York. I this whole make... season, I've been just like, Jewel Lloyd is going to the Sparks. Like, yeah, I've just kind of like, accepted that's where she's going to be next year. point to your opening comment, while I agree with a lot of what you had, you had said it with this comment, one note that I could hazard is when you had said, Chicago fans might be having a slightly better time. My only way to com- to to combat that is to say... Seattle fans, while haven't being able to see a lot of wins, the Jewel Lloyd show has been hella fun to watch. Um, you would rather it translate to wins. That's the truth. You would rather have a competitive and a good team. But it's coming at Jewel Lloyd being able to show her ability to do what she can on the court. And I think almost make a case for Seattle, what are you going to do for me? Because I think I have... The I think I have some 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 heat to build around. I have something that you can put a strong roster on top of. You got to keep on. This was a Jewelloid who, when she was the first pick, uh, got the rookie treatment and watched Stewie show up the next year and get star treatment. I think her narrative in the league has been like, "When's my moment going to be my moment?" And I think there's been some effect in this. There's been good basketball played and it hasn't translated to wins, but you have something to truly build off of with that roster. If you could talk her into that, because like you and I have made the comment of, of LA for some reason. I don't even know if we have any like 
huge ground to stand on is that. But well, the, the ground say- to stand on is LA has a hole in its roster, the exact size and shape of Jewel Lloyd. They, <laughs> they really need that. They need her exact skill set at that position so badly this season. Really good point. That I know they're going to at least give her a call. Yeah, I don't. That's... I don't know how she feels about anything beyond that, but I know that phone call but is happening. If this project doesn't glean any more notable wins this year for Seattle, and maybe next year, it doesn't really glean good wins, and it's a tough year next year. But Jewel Lloyd's still trying to make something happen. You're starting to enter the realm of a Jewel Lloyd Angel Reese team. You're starting to open up the potential of. Uh, a Jewel Lloyd, Caitlin Clark team, Paige Becker's team. It's like they actually suddenly went from being a decent, like solid contender with stars that we know and recognize to a team that might end up being a vehicle for the next generation of, of players. Uh, and instead of Super being the veteran guiding that along, it's Jewel Lloyd putting, putting them in that situation. And like, Angel Reese was the name that popped up immediately to me that I was like, oh, that would be nasty, like, if that were to happen. But, um, and I'm not saying Seattle should tank. I think realistically, if they don't make, like, any huge moves, they probably might be sitting in a similar situation next season. And then all of a sudden, in a really high stakes, and you and I have not been shy about how we feel about how lotteries go, which is that there's probably a card in that bucket that's been frozen or spit on that someone knows to pick up and um and so i think that that gives me some energy there it's like when i think of like which team do i kind of value more chicago has a lot of building rebuilding and identity building to happen and it really sucks it honestly really sucks because the the james wade up to this point the james wade era created such a great identity for this team i mean they got a ring out of it they they were able to build something incredible and it just felt like all at once that just got swept away. And yeah, Chicago the, fans might, might want you to believe, might want to tell you that that's been their narrative as long as they've been fans. Because this might have has uh, happened a lot. This, ha- this might have more to do with like world events, like pandemic related type stuff, but it feels like both Washington and Chicago's titles are so long ago. Like I, I know they happened and I know I watched them. I know they were freaking awesome. But you just said that just now, and I was like, oh, yeah, he did get them a ring. But, like, this team is not that team. No. And it's and that's not, like, a surprise to anyone. Like, Candace Parker left in the offseason, and Wade is gone, and they, they need a reset. But a lot of times, teams need resets without ascending to getting the ring. And it's like, oh, no, 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 they, they reached the pinnacle. We had a whole sky offseason, glass ceiling jerseys. We had a good time. But it that feels, like, oh, far distant. Yeah. I think, for instance, um, some people might turn to my Jewelloid comment and say, well, couldn't you put Clea Copper in that discussion? I, I I see you in that sense. I'll say this. Noel Quinn is going to be the head coach of the Seattle team for a while, and I think she has a vision and an understanding of what she wants to do with this team and what she wants it to be. It's not there quite yet, but she has an idea. Chicago, unfortunately, just doesn't have that structure right now. They They need to create who they are um, and decide, you know, is it nice to say, hey, yeah. we took what, what we lost and turned it into a playoff team? Sure, that's interesting. But then you've got to turn around and make those changes because when it comes to improvement, teams will make changes quick. I mean, the Liberty were 
a completely different, you know, they, they flip themselves into a top two team extremely fast. And yeah, can do and that. here's, so you, here's how outrageous perish. Like, and, and some of this has to do with the amount of help getting, you're getting from teammates, but Jules season is so outrageous that like Kalia Copper's having the best year of her career. Right, she's playing the same amount of minutes a game that she's played for the last three seasons, but she's averaging almost 19 points a game, which is a huge. That's like an extra two buckets a game over her last like three years or something like that. Like every, if you look at the across the timeline, like stat sheet where everything is like bright blue when it's like a career best, the whole line blue, blue, blue. She, percentages are great. Everything is up. Jewel Lloyd is having the best season of her career, and it blows Kalia's season out of the water. She's averaging twenty four a game, and it's just and and shooting so many times a game, and shooting well from three, and doing all these things be, because it's a necessity. And like we know that we going into the year, it was a very popular pick to be like she's gonna maybe be the scoring champion, but because she's capable of doing that, we naturally play the comparison game. Maybe even subconsciously, we play the comparison game with. Like, hey, Copper's like she's not breaking out. Like she's a star, and we know that. We've known that for a while. We've known that since the championship run. But like Jules doing something that nobody else in the league is doing right now. And so everybody else is just fighting for like, like, hey, I'm a good player too. But if you're a f- like if you're trying to pick up a free agent in the next year or two, Jules is gonna be your one A option. Yes. Yes. So that's that's where it's intriguing, is I think you've almost Seattle in in their own way are, are creating a new superstar. Not that Julie hasn't been a star her her career, but no. But I'd I'd love her to be the centerpiece of a like a team a, built to make a run instead of yeah. like oh and also they have her, which is why they're so strong. She's yeah. a player to build around now, and Seattle has a chance to try and make a claim for that because if it doesn't happen here, I've got a feeling it's going to happen elsewhere. I have one more comparison to make, and then uh, we'll wrap this thing up. But I think this one is. Equally as interesting for a lot of reasons. Uh, We're talking 10 and 11, Logan, and here's where it gets interesting. Phoenix, for everything they have had to deal with, which is so much, um, it was interesting, the feelings that came into this season, a lot of emotions for a lot of different reasons. That said, they finally had a lot of the squad back who made a finals run. There was a large talent base here that you could even argue there were some improvements made on different elements of the floor. They said at six and 18, you and I both proclaimed the Indiana fever. were going to be a playoff team this year. They've won a game since that declaration was made. They said at similar records, six and 18, six and 19. Phoenix has always been in the playoff hunt for as long as I can remember. They've always been a team that's played competitively um, who have a strong talent base and high expectations of those teams. The Indiana Fever have also been a team in the WNBA for the last five or six seasons. And that's about as much as we could say about them. Promise has been there. We've watched Aaliyah Boston be an all-world player for the Indiana Fever this year. We watched that squad get some hot, some good juice, but that's kind of fallen off of the wagon here. And to add to this argument, because I know this will play a part in this decision, several times over the last five to six seasons, people have said the fever aren't good right now, but they have pieces that are going to be good in the future. We've heard that happen, and we've watched them be an 11-seater worse for the goodness of it. And we're back to having that discussion. 
and it feels a little bit better, but you just never know with this team. Phoenix is a team that I think has high expectations and for all we know can turn things around fast and, and rebuild quickly. We don't know, but these two teams right now are kind of in the pit and coming from very different places. You have a, you know, this is a real, to quote a movie I know you and I, I have talked about before, like this is a, a real, the other guy's situation. They're both sitting at the same desk, but they're coming from different departments. Um, so Phoenix, Indiana, who are you, who do you take? Oh boy. Okay. I think Phoenix, when it has Griner and Tarazi both on the floor, which has happened like six times all season, is a winning team. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know how much that's going to happen from now to the end of the year. Like if, if they had their team on the floor every night, I think they'd be more like a 10 win team. Now you look over to the Fever. The Fever and the Mystics are basically the same team. Only one of them wins all their close games and one of them loses all their close games. I think mm-hmm. Minnesota and Indiana both should be more like 10-win teams in the standings. One of them is overperforming. One of them is way underperforming. Keeps losing to bad teams by one. <sighs> the tiebreaker, because both of these teams are so hard to predict. Like the, We've got injuries to Melissa Smith and Brittany Griner's like sitting out for mental health reasons and Tarasi's got injuries always because she's a hundred years old. The tiebreaker is going to come down to the, the Mercury have one road win on the season because they're so bad on the road. And it happens to be at Indiana because Indiana's so bad at home. Um, <laughs> and I, I think that means I'm going to take, uh, if I don't even know what I'm taking right now, but like, if you say Logan Phoenix, Indiana, I'm like, is it where we're going this summer? And you're like, no, we don't have to go there. I'm taking Phoenix. <laughs> the, I'm going to try and make this a recency discussion because I'm so tired of having a long run discussion with Indiana and not because it's not true, but because it's always the discussion with Indiana. Both of them sit more or less four games behind the eight spot, like the potential of a playoff seed. I, I truly believe that Indiana should have about 10 wins right yeah. now. If, and, and Phoenix, yeah. if healthy, would also. Yeah, but exactly. If I were to pick a team uh, between these two, who if, if you pick them and if it's them, they have a good chance of making a run to steal one of those spots, even from four games down with about 13 games left in the season. Right now I'm taking Indiana. I just think oh. there's an upside there. If Don't Melissa do it. Smith... If Melissa, I, I'm doing save, it. Save I can't yourself. not be honest. I can't save. not be honest. I'm not going to crown them, right? Because I, they are who I think they are. I'm not going to crown them in this sense and say, oh, they're definitely going to play. But if I, I feel pick like one of these, I feel like- who has the best chance at making that run? Because part of this has been with Melissa Smith off the court, and if she can get healthy and they can figure out their mojo again. There's potential for a run there. I think, and I don't mean this in any negative connotation. I think there's justifications on every angle. Phoenix is tired. They're tired. And and they would be and they should be. Well, yeah, it's 130 have, degrees there. For one, yes. <laughs> there's that. There's being two degrees short of hell. Um, but at the same time, you have a player coming back from a hugely yeah. traumatic situation has publicly at least bounced back from it tremendously and and been such a great individual and advocate 
um, who's tried to get back on the court and prove themselves and has shown that still went through a lot and is needing to process that you have a player in the twilight of their career who's trying to maintain their health and still be an effective member of the court. You have a lot of young talent, one of them in Sophie Cunningham, who's trying to balance out their ability to process things with a new level of maturity. There's a lot going on on this roster that's skilled, but have dealt with so much, and I think there's a lot of energy. This is another team that lost a head coach out of the blue. Um. And that's another thing. And that's the other side of it is one side has, you know, loses Vanessa Nygaard because things were not working. And even at six and 19, I kind of like what Christie sides is doing. And I think it has the potential to work if they can get all the pieces in the right place at the right time. So if I had to pick one team and say they have the highest potential to make that run, I would go with Indiana. I am not proclaiming that that's what's going oh, to no. happen because not only is that four games, that means you have to upend Phoenix and also the Sparks and also Chicago to find your way there. So I, say a I, lot, but, I yeah. feel like what just happened was I, I have, I have jumped off of a moving Indiana fever train and like scratched myself up in the landing. And I'm watch. I looked back and I saw you like on that train waving goodbye. And I'm like, Steve, no, Steve, jump. You, t- you don't want to know. You Steve. don't want to know where it's headed. No. <laughs> <laughs> But then I'm also jealous that you're still on it because I'm like, maybe I shouldn't have jumped. Maybe I should have stayed on the train. I respect that entirely. And I understand that entirely because it's, it's a tough shift across and the timing of it was just zany. We had one day where we were very high on the team and then it just seemed like the timing of it couldn't have been more ridiculous. Like, is it us? Like, is it freaking us now? At this point, and I feel like finally we're just going to see how that goes. I am interested to see what decisions Phoenix makes from this point on come off season to try and get an yeah. idea of what's next year going to look like. A lot of people have been running the rumor mill that there's a very particular reason why the All-Star game is going to be in Phoenix. And if that happens, it means they're opening up a brand new era. And what's the plan for that? Because I expect them to be an organization that wants to turn things around pretty quickly but they've got a lot to prove if that's what they're trying to do. So uh, I'm intrigued by that discussion. I just, I want so badly to believe in the fever and believe in their ability to finally build something that's going to work. And I, I, sometimes it's like, I can't quit it. It like when these things happen, you just want them to work. I want Aaliyah Boston to be in the right spot. I want, I want her decision to enter this draft and, if, and, you know, not put sit it, out put it, year. put it in these it, terms, like, if you can picture this current roster in Indiana, but it's the Phoenix Mercury jerseys and location and X factor. You'd be like, dude, Phoenix is going to be so good. in like, a like, year. like, like you just wait. <laughs> like yeah. I'm like for, I, I would, I would be like, they might, they might be playing deep in the playoffs like next year. Like it could be that fast. They'd be, if it was any other organization, I think that roster is built in such a way that you'd be like just there hyped was, about it. It was like watching the first two seasons of Asia Wilson in Vegas. It was just wait, like yeah, say whatever yeah, you want like, right oh, now with the Aces. But win. hold on, yeah. it's going to be like this will turn around quickly. But because it's Indiana, game. there's always this feeling present of like maybe it's never gonna work. <laughs> maybe we were never meant to make it. Maybe you maybe started- I'm not. <laughs> 
Like, team, maybe I'm not ready to be hurt again. <laughs> for a team who started their history with a third, like a top three all-time player who brought a championship to that city, uh, it's intriguing that, um, you know, they. it almost felt like they've spent so many years trying to recreate that, and now they're getting to a point where they're like, yeah, I'm, stop. I'm sure they're sick of doing this. They're, they're probably sick of hearing about, like, the context of, the history because they've got new ownership, new coach, new, uh, G- not new ownership, but new GM, new players. Like this isn't the team that it's been and they are on the right track roster wise. They just lose a lot of close games because they got to figure out how to win. But I, I do think that the attitude about the fever would be really different if they were at a, a team that has traditionally been a, a winning franchise. Cause it'd be like, Oh, well then we expect that to return shortly. Yeah, absolutely. I, I fully agree with that. So there's, Really kind of the lineup. I really enjoyed that discussion because I think it helps. Like for me, the context of where things are going to be headed over this next stretch of 12 to 13 games per team is going to be really intriguing. I think the back half of that playoff structure is going to change a lot between now and the end there's, of August. There's one question I want to add just so that nobody feels left out. And it doesn't even have to be a discussion. It can be like a one word answer. Playoff team. Sky. Sparks. Sparks, I that oh. really hurt to get out, but I'm just gonna I, do that. I wish I wish I could dare to be different, but I I would also say Sparks. That's it. it just uh, yeah, and all of that was literally me like body scanning just my gut and going like, "What are we thinking, pal?" And that was. <laughs> The, the Sparks, who have won two of their last, like, 11, and both of them were home games against Indiana. I know. <laughs> I know. And still, it just feels like it's... No, uh, it I just agree. feels like it's there. I agree. I, have, we, have we made very, very dumb choices before? Absolutely. Are we ever going to stop making dumb choices? Never. Bet your ass not, because it's what makes the show entertaining. <laughs> Try to deny that. Um, but man, <laughs> oh, that's a, that was a toughie, but yeah, we'll see. We will remember this moment. People will remind us. Of I, this moment. I shouldn't have even asked, but I didn't want people to be like, they, they avoided like the, like, you know, the eight, nine match like the two that are like on the edge. And I was like, we better, you know, we talked about all the other teams. We'll talk about those two teams, but yeah, truthfully, I, like, I, I had Chicago as my five seed in our preseason rankings. Nobody knows what to do with Chicago. I don't know what to do with Chicago. So <laughs> yeah, no idea. It's, it's, it's been interesting that way, but uh, I think it's really everything as far as, you know, league discussion. There's a lot of intrigue going on. This is a fun time to be a women's sports fan in general with the world cup and much running around, but anything else that you wanted to call out, highlight, discuss before we put a ball on this one, Logan, uh, watch the world cup root for the underdogs. Uh, Root against Canada. Sorry, can I know we have Canada, yeah, we have, we have like Twitter friends that's, and sh- and friends of our show done. who are like super Canadian, and we love all of them. But we're rooting against Canada. <laughs> Anila just unsubscribed from the show. I like this oh. No, uh, Canada officially was bumped. That lost to Australia. Uh, I think officially turned. Oh, they they uh, out, out. I'm officially. sorry, I'm behind. I believe they they out, officially out? Out. which means oh. I believe I believe that means yeah, Nigeria is in uh, in the second out of that group. Australia is officially in. They won 4-0 over Canada in the final matchup. And so that one is 
done and dusted. I'll say this about Canada, though, regardless of whether or not they're still in the running, your organization should be paying you and rewarding you for whatever is happening because you've been a lot of the energy of soccer within Canada has been on those women's backs, including a gold freaking medal. They didn't get a red cent for. So there you have that. But, but also as a, as a member member of like women's sports media, I deeply am disturbed by the lack of compensation for the world cup medal as an American sports fan. I'm like, like <laughs> yes. any any Olympic or world event, suddenly America and Canada go from being like best buds to like anybody but you. <laughs> yeah. I, I get it. And and I also for me it was I was really pulling for Ireland too. And then Katie McKay yes. had the goal of, of the tournament for me. And then they lost their way out of the tournament in that match because of an own goal. And I'm still really sad for for Ireland for that. That made me sad. But that group was rough. That's, I mean, there's that no one on there. That's true. But anyway, that by was, the time that was y'all are listening to this, you'll know how Team USA did against Portugal and whether or not they're going to be in a good standing because that's been fun. Do watch the World Cup. Even if you've got to stay up late, make it happen. Uh, school doesn't start till the end of the month for some of y'all. So have some fun there. Um, otherwise, you could find us uh, pretty much anywhere on our socials at WMEA Nation Pod. Head over to WNBANation.com and stay connected with us with everything that we're doing as a program. We're looking to get episodes back up more regularly as we finish out the season and beyond. Because if you've been paying any attention online, uh, women's college basketball has a lot to talk about even now. And when things start kicking off in a couple months, so uh, we will be not short with any discussions to hand out as far as that goes but even with all that here in the WNBA season we have an exciting slate of basketball to watch this month and we're rolling right into the playoffs before we crown a 2023 champion it's going to be absolutely bonkers and we will be here to join you for every single part of it Uh, thank you so much until all then thank you so much for listening to this episode of WNBA Nation I am Steve Schwartzman I am Logan Jones and we got you next time I'm not even